This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Andrew Giuliani wants to be the next governor of New York. Andrew Giuliani. I shouldn't fumble your last name because that's key here, Andrew. It's not that, Andrew. On the Red Apple Podcast Network, here's Andrew Giuliani. I want to talk a little bit about the Tunnel of the Towers run today. So if you guys listened to me on Sid and Friends in the Morning on Friday... What Sid and I decided was, I actually had a busy morning that Friday, and I said, you know what, how can I get everything in? How can I get in the, the, the call? How can I, I had about four other meetings I had to do before noon, and I said, you know what, I think it'd be fun if I was actually calling in and doing my interview with Sid on my last day of training for the Tunnel to Towers 5K, and for those of you that don't know, I'm sure everybody does know, because... WABC is an incredible partner with Tunnel the Towers, and they've done amazing things here at WABC. But the run signifies Stephen Siller's final steps on September 11th. The backstory is it's so so incredible. It's it's important to repeat this in case they haven't heard people haven't heard this. But Stephen Siller was actually off that day, and when he saw that the first plane hit the North Tower. He was supposed to go golf, I believe, with his brother, Frank, who runs it now. But he was certainly supposed to go golf that day. He turned his pickup truck around, went to his station in Brooklyn, his fire fire station in Brooklyn, went to go pick up his bunker gear and tried to go drive to the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. They had already shut down the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel at that point, and they would not let him go through. So he abandoned his pickup truck to the side of the road there, and he ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel and into the towers, and he ended up passing away. I mean, truly heroic. And what Tunnel the Towers has done over the last 22 years is incredible. I remember when this actually first started. I think the first run that they actually did was December of 2001, because uh, obviously they were still working debris for the whole time there, but it was the first time they could actually get get it done. But December of 2001, uh, they were able to this run and they've been doing it every single year now now the last weekend in september this is the first time participating in it and let me just tell you i posted a bunch of videos on my social media you can you can go look on the former website that's twitter x and i gotta post some stuff on facebook uh, as well look at at andrew h giuliani but it gives you an idea of the build-up so i come on over via ferry you take the ferry like you're going to ikea in brooklyn uh, with all of these first responders, family members, and you're feeling the cheering already. I mean, the patriotism was unbelievable, even at 7.15 in the morning while you take that. So you get on over, you go check in. I had already checked in, but you end up going to walk toward the starting line, about a 20-minute walk, walking over there. And it's just American flags everywhere. It's NYPD, FDNY, Port Authority police, and then police and firefighters from all around the country. Right. It's not just New York Police Department. It's not just the Fire Department of New York. They are coming from all around the country to support this incredible cause and everything that Tunnel the Towers does, that which has gone far beyond now 9-11 families. But now it's going to obviously Gold Star families providing mortgage free homes 
to the families of first responders. And now their real focus is to actually eradicate veteran homelessness, which you think it's almost like impossible when you hear this. I mean, this is like in 2015 when people would say, well, peace in the Middle East. Like, how are you going to tackle such a massive problem? Trump was able to tackle that with the Abraham Accords, and I have no doubt that the Siller family will be able to tackle this. And my guess is in a few short years, we will look at veteran homelessness as long as Tunnel to Towers is able to get those $11 a month, continue to get the contributions, and has the incredible leadership that they do in the Siller family uh, as something of the past. But getting back specifically to the run, as I'm going up to the starting line, I don't even see him. I just hear a voice that I know, a familiar voice. And sure enough, it's Joe Piscopo, and he's singing New York, New York. Uh, I see him kind of out of the corner. I barely even saw him. I just heard him, and I knew it was him because I'm always listening to him at 6 o'clock for Sundays with Sinatra right here on WABC. So he's singing. I end up meeting up with the Mulvey family, with Aaron Mulvey, Ian, Keelan, Keelan's fiance, and... uh, Any of you that know me and that have listened to my radio show know that Terry Mulvey, uh, Ian's uh, Ian's father and uh, Keelan's father and and Aaron's uh, widow, uh, was one of like a second father to me, basically. When Grace was born, uh, my mother was my first call. My father was the second call immediately. And then I called uh, Terry, who at that point. Uh, he couldn't speak at that point because he was uh, bedridden. Uh, but Aaron picked up the phone and uh, put it to his ear. And I told him that uh, Grace was born. I'm getting a little emotional right now. And uh, he ended up passing away within 48 hours of 9-11 related cancer. Uh, so his, they made shirts for him and, and I uh, ran in his honor. Uh, and obviously uh, it was uh, very emotional to see all of them. I think of Terry every single day. Um, but it's something that uh, he would have, uh, I think, been very proud of his entire family. And, and Keelan and her fiance flew in from California for this, as a matter of fact. So just uh, amazing stories. And, and uh, you know, it's amazing to see the people that are still affected by this. I know that Chief Esposito, whose daughter Holly will be talking to here uh, next segment, she talks about this as well in terms of what her father is going through now with the 9-11 related cancers. So, it's not something that just happened 22 years ago. People are still dealing with this and the effects today. But back to the race and race day. So as the race starts, right, you're, first, you're walking the first minute. Now, I had set a goal to make it in 30 minutes. I'll tell you how I ended up doing. No prefontaine, as you guys noticed, if you were listening to me huffing and puffing with Sid the other day. I'm no prefontaine, nor do I claim to be. But I wanted to make sure I did not stop, and I wanted to try to get in under 30 minutes. So... You make the first turn, and as you go into the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, and I posted this on my social media, there is a row, probably about 10 deep, of cadets from West Point, and they are cheering you on. They're saying, let's go! Come on! Come on! Come on! Come on! And it is so exhilarating. It's, uh, it's, it was just one of the most amazing experiences that I had had in my life. I, I'd really recommend for anybody whether or not you can run you can't run if you can walk it sign up for this next year it was it was absolutely amazing so you're going downhill and you're cruising down the hill and the only thing i'm thinking once i end up getting into the tunnel past past them is that this is a really really steep 
decline and consistent decline, which meant we'd have a steep and consistent incline coming on the other way. So ended up taking the taking the decline well, and you start hitting the incline, and it felt endless. I have to tell you, it felt endless. It was gradual. It wasn't bad in the beginning. And so you're kind of doing, you're doing your pace and all that stuff. But the thing that gets you is this must be right when you get kind of, you know, obviously the tunnel goes underneath the East River and the the battery, really. It goes under the, the East River and the battery there. Um, but the last part of the tunnel is actually going underneath uh, the uh, underneath the island of Manhattan. It's not just going under the river. And at that point, that's when the incline really starts to increase. So now you're really running up a hill over here. And I was really, really huffing and puffing. But as you start to see the light on the other side of that tunnel, on your left, you see a row of American flags. I mean, hundreds of American flags held by uh, armed service members. And on the right, you see all of the pictures of those firefighters, NYPD, Port Authority police that made the ultimate sacrifice on September 11th. And the first face you see is Stephen Siller on your right there. And then all the people that have passed on since of 9-11 cancers. And that was unbelievable. I actually recorded that too, even though it's running all over the place. I mean, you could see this thing. My, my camera was bouncing left and right and left and right because I'm just trying to get up the hill. But I go around and now you end up seeing all the pictures of the people who died in Iraq, in Afghanistan, who made the ultimate sacrifice after September 11th. And as I make the final turn before you end up going to the finish line, that's kind of where my apartment is. So I'm looking for my wife and Grace. I thought they were going to be upstairs in the apartment. I was just going to kind of give a quick wave to them and finish up and then come see them because it was a rainy day, obviously, pretty wet and rainy day. But as I'm looking for them, I hear my wife yelling, and sure enough, they're down there. So they ended up running like a half a block with me. Actually, it was the only thing I stopped for. I was proud of this. The only thing I stopped for was to give Grace a little kiss and give my wife a little kiss, and they ran a half a block, and then I ran out to the finish line. Sadly, I did not make it in under 30 minutes. I made it in 31 minutes. So we have something to shoot for next year, but I have to tell you, it really was one of the most amazing experiences. And for anybody who can, if you can next year volunteer for this, I'm telling you, you will feel fulfilled. If in any way you're thinking about, you know, oh, you know, our country, I feel like we've lost this sense of patriotism. I feel like more and more people don't appreciate what our NYPD does, what our civil servants do, our, our, our fire department, our PAPD that a lot of people don't have that patriotism anymore. I have to tell you, it was, sure, it was incredible to see all those FDNY members, all those NYPD members holding up the flags and certainly their brothers that were lost. Um, But it was just as incredible to see the young cadets. It was amazing to see these young kids. Actually, my wife joked with me that she thought that I must have passed them because there were like some some 12 or 13 year olds that ended up passing me on the race there. So she was like, you had to beat him. I ended up beating these kids. But to see these kids that, you know, weren't born probably a decade after September 11th running this. And this is one of the ways at which Tunnel the Towers, this is one of the ways at which, which we teach our children the significance of this. Yeah, they start off running a 5K, maybe not really understanding the perspective, but by seeing those faces, by learning the story 
by seeing the patriotism, they understand the importance, not just of that day, but of what those men and women gave for our country, for this cause. So I'm thankful to Frank and the Tunnel the Towers team for letting me be a part of this. And it was really, you know, one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I urge anybody to give and to be a part of it next year. You got to be a part of this thing next year. It's well worth it. Whether you can run, if you can walk, if you could just go down, be a part of this thing. It really, really is amazing. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Well, my next guest I'm very excited about here. You know, I've known uh, Chief Esposito for a long time now. And and when we spoke on September 11th, he had mentioned that his daughter, Holly, ended up writing a a wonderful firsthand account of her experience on 9-11, something that was very meaningful to him. Uh, And I told him immediately, I said, I want to have Holly on my show. I want to I want to hear about this. And I said, what better day? Then right after the tunnel, the towers run. So without any further ado, let me introduce Holly Esposito. Holly, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I had I gained a, a new perspective on what it must have been like to actually run through the tunnel with bunker gear on and what so many people ended up uh, going through that day. But but I want to get right to you on this, Thanks. which this was fantastic this uh, this essay that you ended up writing and, and uh, it brought me right back to that day and some of the feelings I had on that day. But let me just ask you, what inspired you to write such a poignant firsthand account of your experience on September 11th? Absolutely. And before I go into that, I just want to say it's funny that song that you just had on is actually the song I danced with my father to oh, wow. at my wedding. Um, he's my hero, 100%, and he always has been. Yeah. So you picked the right song. <laughs> yeah, that play. wasn't even Thank planned. You. Just amazing. It's yeah. divine, right? You, you, got, you got me. You got me in the fields <laughs> just starting us right off. Um, but, yeah, he, he's the one. He's the one who inspired me to, to write about it. Uh, you know, he says it all the time. We've lived through history, and our kids are going to want to know what we went through from our perspectives and you know, memories fade, but if you write it down and, and keep it going, we've got to keep telling these stories because as horrible and tragic as that day was, there were some miracles. There were some positives that came out of the tragedy. And I was lucky enough to have somebody who made it out and, and made an impact on a lot of people. So I really just wanted to tell the story, one, because he told me to, <laughs> two, because he inspired me to. I want everyone to know. I want everyone to see my dad as the hero that I always have. And I I think a lot of people do. Well, I want to dig through a couple parts of your story here. Um, You know, you talk about when uh, you actually see that there was a plane crash. You hear there's a plane crash. You're now calling your house, trying to see if your mom actually heard from your dad. You're calling, um, you're calling, is it your brother? I believe it is Uh, your boyfriend now husband. Sorry. 
yeah, Stefan yeah. about that. And uh, let me get in this one part. At one point, my coworker Steve came down from roof to tell me that one of the towers had collapsed. His father worked in a garage near the World Trade Center, and he knew my father was in the area as well. I remember what he said to me, and it still takes my breath away. Everyone who's in there is dead. No one could have survived that. I'm sure it was his grief that made him say that, thinking that his own father was gone. He wasn't. He started bawling, and it was the first of many tears that day, that week, that year. Steve gave me a hug and went back to the roof. I sat back down by my phone, and eternity, or perhaps a few minutes later, my phone rang. It was a police officer who worked in my dad's office telling me that he is fine and that someone is coming to pick me up and take me to his office. I called mom. Did she tell me my father was fine, or did I tell her? I don't know. Now, you said it felt like an eternity, which I'm sure it did. Tell me about your range of emotions that day. Yeah, I I think that that's another, you know, miracles is something I've been thinking a lot about and, and praying for, certainly. Um, and definitely that day, I think we were all praying for miracles. I, I think that's one of the miracles of, of the human body is shock, right? That's, that's a gift that yeah. God gives us. And I, I really think I was in shock. You know, I was working across the street from the Empire State Building. And most of my coworkers, they left. They left the building. We were, you know, who knew? What, what, what else was going to happen? Was the Empire State Building going to be struck yeah. next? You know, we were all, everyone was making guesses of what, what was going to happen next that day, right? Horrible, horrible things that were going through everyone's minds. And I was just cemented to my seat. I could not move. I was sitting there looking at my phone because you know, cell phones weren't working. They weren't, they weren't that good to begin with back then. But even, you know, even if they were great, the old, everything was down. I had to sit there by my phone and wait because I didn't know what else I could do. You know, it, yeah. there was nothing else to do. My heart, I don't, I don't even think I breathed. You know, who, who, really, who really was breathing that day? I think the whole world collectively was holding our breath together and, and just waiting to see what was going to happen. Um, you know, my full range of emotions. I think hopelessness was, was in there. Yeah. Hopeful was in there. Mm-hmm. You know, one moment we, we were all thinking the worst. The next moment we were all praying for the best. And, um, you know, I didn't see the towers fall. I saw the second plane hit the building. At that point, I was still on my commute mm-hmm. to work. So I was on the subway, um, on the bridge. It was elevated going across the river at that point, And I, I saw the plane. And, and even then I couldn't comprehend what was, what was happening. Um, no one could, it, yeah. it was too crazy to believe that it could be real. So we were all, you know, I definitely was in a bit of denial and um, I just remember being numb and just sitting there in my chair, watching people either leave or go up to the roof. A lot of people went up to the roof to watch because you could see from my building's roof, you could see the world trade center. Yeah. Um, so they, they saw they saw it and I was getting, you know, there were no TVs in my offices. There was no smartphones playing the video. I was just hearing from other people what was happening at that point. Yeah. So that's it. I was just waiting for the longest few I, minutes of my life. I can't imagine how, yeah, how long that actually felt. And, mm-hmm. and, and you really, I mean, you really encapsulated that so well. But you mentioned also the what's next feeling. And there's something that I remember, and your father very well might have been with my father when this happened, yeah. but something that he remembers so well that day is when they heard and they were walking up, uh, I, I don't know if it was West Street or they were walking up uh, maybe Seventh Avenue at that point, um, but they heard a plane coming by. This was this was later, 
And somebody said, watch out. And another person yelled, no, that's a friendly. It's a, it was one of the F-16s coming in to guard the city at that point. And he said for a moment, he just had perspective that he realized, you know, just that America was at war in that in that time. Now, along with the, the what's next feeling, you know, one of the things I think that's really in some ways, I don't, I don't maybe not focused on today as much as it should be, is the amazing job that the New York Police Department did with your father as chief at preventing any follow up terrorist attack for the decades to follow. I mean, how proud are you of your father's work, not just on that day and his heroism, but throughout his storied career? Absolutely. You know, my dad today, he even today, and he is he is still working, um, but he's also fighting cancer. He will take a phone call. He will look for any opportunity to help someone as much as he can. It's his number one priority. And, and the city, you know, you think about it that day, people were riding from other boroughs. They were just trying to get there. Everybody wanted to help. Everyone wanted to to have the outcome be as good as it possibly could be. And, and you know, not just the folks that were responding, but their families too. I want to take a second because I know my dad is listening and I know that he uh, wouldn't want me to, to um, overlook the heroism of the loved ones of the first responders, my mom in particular, I'll use her as my example here. Um, God rest her soul. She was there every morning sending him off to who knows what, you know, we really didn't know what was going to happen. And, and, you know, they would say goodbye in the morning and she would sit by the phone all day. And every night when he came home many, many, many hours later, he, she was, you know, standing at the back door with the fresh clothes because he was spending the day at ground zero, searching, hoping, looking for miracles and coming home covered in plaster and soot and, and, you know, having to change outside and she was cleaning him up. And, you know, my, my father was, and still is a very strong man. And I had not seen him show any kind of emotion that looked like what I saw from him that week. And, you know, the, the families of the people who, obviously the families who lost someone, um, but also the families who had their loved ones that they were sending out to, to really, you know, be the heroes. I, I just want to take a second and recognize them too, because I think they get, they get a little lost in the mix and, and they're absolutely heroes as well. Well, you know, the WABC family absolutely loves your family and, and feels like you're a part of it. And, you know, we're thinking about your mom and I know that Sid's been talking a lot about her and, and, uh, and, you know, we're thinking about obviously your dad right now. It's, tell me a little bit about what he's going through. I saw the statistic today that 343 firefighters have died mm-hmm. of nine 11 related cancer. And that number is significant because that's how many firefighters ended up dying on that day. So this is something that, you know, wasn't just something that happened for one day, 22 years ago. This is something that people are dealing with to this, to this day, including your, your heroic father. Yeah. So um, earlier this year, we, you know, started praying for miracles again. Um, my father was diagnosed with brain cancer and, um, you know, we are, uh, many of the doctors are saying that it absolutely could be a nine 11 related cancer and he is fighting it. You know, it's glioblastoma. He is 
still looking, like I said, to help everyone however he can. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's our hero all over again because he has a great day and he wants to go out and see people. He, he wants to visit family members who, you know, lost someone on 9-11. He was out there at the ceremony on 9-11 and, and someone sent me a picture of him and I'm, Dad, what, what are you doing down there? I, I saw him um, and, and he, <laughs> was, he was as tough as ever. I mean, it was, uh, right. it was, yeah. it was great to see him. Yes, I was only a little mad at him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I understand it. You know, that's that's what he's done for 22 years. He's gone down there and he's been he, he wants to be there for everyone who lost someone that day. And many of the people he knew personally and the families, he became part of their family in the years to follow. And he just he wants to he wants to continue to be there. So this year he did say it was a little strange for him thinking that um, he technically can be called now a, a victim of 9-11 as well. I think that that was a mind shift that he had to get used to, but he's still going to get down there. And, and if he can comfort one person, um, he's going to do it. So it's been an interesting year and we're going to keep those positive vibes going. But now, uh, you know, while I have everybody listening, if everybody could just take a half a second and send a good vibe and a prayer his way. I think that'll go a long way. Absolutely. One more part I really want to uh, focus in on from your firsthand account, and and I'm going to read this part, and then I want you to talk about this moment and what that must have felt like and how you recall this moment, you know, years and years later, 22 years later. We walked into a room with multiple screens, phones, and maps, and I saw my father's face as the first time you saw him on September 11th, more solemn and beaten than I had ever seen break into a moment of passing relief when his eyes met mine. While I was sure for the better part of the morning that he was gone, he was worried about me. Me, safe in my office in Midtown while he watched buildings fall around him. Me, sitting by a phone while he ran with the mayor into a building across the street from the World Trade Center as the second tower collapsed. We had a hug, and he sent me off to sit in another room while the look of relief was again replaced with more worry and determination. Talk about that moment when you hugged your father. Absolutely. Uh, I didn't believe it until I saw him. I had been, you know, many people had called me over the course of of that morning who heard rumors, who, you know, know, who saw, saw him covered in rubble. You know, the stories were flying. And even though I spoke to a police officer who told me, I saw your dad, he's doing great. He's just, he's worried about you. You know, it was something that was too miraculous to believe until I saw him with my own eyes. So I'm sure we both had that same look of relief in our eyes. And that hug, I'll remember it forever. He was covered in soot and and I was still in my work clothes. I remember I was wearing heels and thinking how inappropriate it was given where I was. And I just, you know, it, you just melt. You, you, we just melted into each other for, for a moment. And then he was right back to business. Well, I'm sure as a parent, right, he was probably thinking that day there were times where he just said, right. you know, I want to hug my daughter one more time. I'm sure that was probably going through his mind. And so for that moment for him, you know, it, it gave him, you know, that that wish, that dream, the the prayers that you would you would ask for had been answered. But, you know, it was yeah. probably something that got him through many of those moments on that day and then, and then afterwards as well. Yeah. And I, I will say quickly, you know, that morning we had just made up. We had a fight. Uh, and <laughs> I'm not I'm not somebody. My, neither is my dad. We're not really uh, fighters. We're, we're more like um 
passive aggressive fighters. You know, maybe we'll you know, be like that, slightly that irritated. Comes, I also have a vowel at the end of my name. That comes with the vowels at the end of your names. You know what I mean? It's just that, one of the things we're true. gifted. That could be true. For some reason, we had a fight that summer and it was a blowout. Um, and we didn't speak to each other really for a few weeks coming up to 9-11. That morning was the first time that we spoke to each other. And it was um, election day. And he asked me, did I, did I want to ride to go vote? before and then he would drop me off at the train to go to work so we went and voted together that morning we talked while we were waiting online it was great i felt relief that the fight was over he dropped me off on the train he went off to work i went off to work and the next time i saw him he was giving me that hug again and it was it just it really does make you believe in fate and miracles and and you know, someone out there helping to to move things in the right direction. And as tragic and horrible, the greatest tragedy in our country's history that it was, think about how many people were in lower Manhattan that day and yeah. how many people we could have lost. You know, it, it really, it's a miracle, too. It's a tragedy, and it's a miracle. Probably saved over 15,000 lives from the buildings yeah. that day. Uh, Holly, I just want to ask, is this published anywhere is there any place where people can see this if not are you are you thinking about publishing this at some point because this is something i think is uh look when my daughter can read i want her to read this firsthand account well i uh no it's not published anywhere i i wrote it one day on my facebook profile on 9-11 as people do um and i just kind of have built it a little bit more like added another paragraph here here and there every year so well it's maybe i'll at Put it some, somewhere at some point. Please, at some point, consider that and, and let me know, and I'll certainly let you know the WABC audience know as well. Thank you. Well, Holly, thank you so much for spending the time, for being here. And as you said, we are praying for your father. We're praying for your mother, God rest her soul. And, and thank you for everything that your family has done for our city and our country. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 